0: Before we get going, real quick, I just want to let everyone know that the shirt is still up on guesttheyear.net, and I'll link to it in the show notes, and you can check it out. The pre-order closes on Thursday, so yeah, I really, really appreciate you taking a look. All right, really fun show today. Enjoy. Welcome to Guest the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. This week, we have five deadheads competing for a prize pack provided by TCO Fly Shop and a spot in next week's show. TCO Fly Shop, which stands for Tulpehawken Creek Outfitters, was named for one of the finest tailwater fisheries in the east, the Tulpehawken Creek. They have four locations around Pennsylvania and a significant e-commerce business. Yeah, I've gotten to know Tony, the founder, great guy. He runs his business like you'd hope a deadhead would. He is a huge deadhead, and you'll see as much if you go to uh, TCO Fly Shop's uh, site. Just tons of dead-themed equipment and apparel. So I'll link TCO in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tony, for you know putting up the prize pack. We really appreciate it. Okay, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all in a video conference together can message in their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two Deadheads standing will have the best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our returning champion Garen here with us, our back-to-back champion Garen here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the Deadheads in a moment, but first, without further ado, the Grateful Dead.
1: So it goes, we make what we made since the world began, nothing more The love of the
0: All right, the guesses are in. It was Let It Grow at the Spectrum on August 29th, 1980. So we only had one person get it exactly. It was Nick. He's 42 from Kansas City. Nick, how did you pull 1980 out of that uh, crazy jam?
2: You know, I heard Brent and his keys. They're kind of tingy. He's still young. He's still fresh. He's kind of finding his way in the band. But what really gave it away was Phil. You know, I just pictured him. At Radio City, plucking his four-string bass. He didn't have the five-string bass yet, so I went with 80. Really nice pull. Thanks.
0: You are on to the next round. Next closest was Steve. He guessed 1979. Steve is 51 from Lincoln, Nebraska. So you thought it was uh, first year of Brent?
3: Well, what I was keying in on I'm with uh, everything uh, uh, Nick said, but I wasn't I was looking, listening to Garcia and I thought it sounded pretty wolfy and he didn't start playing tiger until like December of 79, I think. So I thought, well, maybe it's Brent's first shows, you know, but it was just, Jerry just had the trouble turned down, you know, but that's what I was keen in. It was either 79 or 80. So because of Jerry's tone. Yeah, and and as soon as Nick said eighty, well, I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> but, but I, it was just Gar- Garcia's tone. I was because the tigers like it's sharper to me than wolf, um, and so that and the the tones coming out of Garcia on this one sounded like rounder and a little more muted, and so that's or not muted, but just uh, I don't have the technical term, but not as uh, razor like as sometimes could come out of tigers. That's why I thought maybe it's still wolf.
0: Thank you, Steve. You're on in the next round. Garen is the two-time returning champ. He's 50 from Brooklyn. Garen, what, what did you hear in Jerry's guitar, and why'd you guess 82?
4: Uh, everyone's. I, th- I agreed with it, what everybody just said, analysis-wise. Um, yeah, that was just, I think, Jerry um, rolling off most of the treble on the guitar and you know, running it through an overdrive and just getting that really thick mid-range sound. But yeah, that made it a little hard to identify. It was also an interesting selection because the vocals, you just got one little glimpse of the vocals there and then it was onto that long jam, you know? And I wished I was like, oh, I wish I could hear a little bit more Brent's vocal because that's sometimes a tip off for me. But yeah, wouldn't well, no, I agree with what everybody said. Um, and I knew it, in my mind, I was like 80 to 82 and I just went a little farther into the 80s because I don't know what it was exactly. Um, it just sounded a little, a little had that like ragged edge to it. And they got a little bit more ragged as the 80s went on. So
0: cool, Garen. You're on the next round. So Adam also guessed 82. So he's also on the next round, which makes Clay odd oh, man out. Uh, sorry, Clay. <laughs> Clay gets no, 80, 84.
5: <laughs> but before I logged on, I told my wife, nightmare scenario is early 80s, first round, <laughs> and I exit yep brutal
6: <laughs> sorry exactly clay.
5: oh those dreaded 80s man they get you every time <laughs> yeah
0: uh yeah and you know only four years off too that's a tough way to go out sorry clay uh we'll hear it's about in right. a sec but uh adam 82 um as well adam is 51 from ridgewood new jersey why 82 adam
6: So, Clay, if it makes you feel any better, I am exactly the same way. And here's my philosophy on early 80s. From 1980 to 85, I struggle. It's just an era era that I really don't enjoy as much. Um, And um, so I was unsure. So I decided to split the difference using math and picked 82. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. I mean, it really really came down to me. But my initial instinct, my initial that I had typed was 81 or 80. I was leaning towards 80 or 81, but I I was like, I'm not sure, so I'm gonna split the difference and hopefully using math, I'll land close. That was how I did it and I came up with 82. Playing the
0: game, Adam, you're on to the next round. Clay, I'm sorry this resulted in your nightmare scenario. You are uh, 33 from Statesville, North Carolina. Uh, Yeah, why 84?
5: That kind of frenetic pace um, was one thing that kind of led me to 84. The tape quality, I think, was particularly great, which I feel like you get a lot in the kind of middle 80s years. So that's why I ended up there. But, man, tough result.
0: Clay, how did you get into the dead?
5: Um, When I was in middle school, I went to a summer camp where a lot of the older kids and counselors and stuff were into the kind of jam scene. Um, And I just thought they were cool, man. And uh, so I went home and kind of a common refrain on the show is my parents had skeletons from the closet put that on and from golden road, I was hooked, you know. Uh kind of stayed in the kind of top level for a while of Europe 72 and American beauty and working man's. And then about probably 10 years ago started kind of falling down the archive rabbit hole. Um and uh been kind of falling ever since, you know, I'm uh getting to go see like kind of it was you know a couple of years before Den company kind of got together. And so that happening uh was big for me also finally, you know, getting a chance to see Bob and and Mickey and Billy has been great. And um yeah, I don't know. It's kind of been going down the going down the archives ever since. Probably the sweet spot, actually. 74 and 76 are probably what I listen to the most.
0: Oh, 76. Why 76? Over like 77 or 78.
5: I mean, I I, I obviously, you know, listen to a time 77 as well, but um that just kind of fun, jazzy, groovy middle of the 70s stuff uh really feels to me. Cool.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Clay. Great to meet you. And I'm glad uh, you came on. Thank you so much. Okay. Steve, Nick, Adam, and Garen are onto the next round. Competing for the TCO Fly Shop prize pack. Let's hear the next song. Okay. The guesses are in. It was, it's all over now, baby blue at Winterland on February 24th, 1974. So Garen, Steve, and Nick all got it. Adam guessed 1972. Sorry, Adam. Uh, But Nick, you sent yours in in about four to five seconds. How did you
2: um, know that was 74? 74 is just one of those years where it has this distinct sound. It doesn't sound like 72. It doesn't sound like 76. Um, It's really, it's one of my more favorite years to listen to. I love the concept of the wall of sound. Um, I just know 74, or at least I think I know 74 very well. And as soon as I heard it, and I also think Baby Blue it may have been the first, 74 was the first year that they started covering that. I don't know. Um, but it, it just had that wall of sound groove where everyone was together, but in separate sounds and channels. And uh, I, I just love the way 74 sounds.
0: Thanks, Nick. You're on to the next round. Nice work. Joining you is Steve. Steve, nice pull on the 74. Did you hear the wall of sound as well?
3: Yeah. And I also um was the benefit of that being one of the first shows I ever had on C D. So I listened to it about a million times. And so as soon as it started playing, I'm like, oh that's 224.74. <laughs> nice. Wow. <Well>, nice. <laughs> <laughs> which all which has also one of my favorite morning morning dues in it. So that was kind of a gimme for me. <laughs> it was like it was like seeing an old friend again, you know, like, oh it's yeah. <laughs> and what was the CD? Um was it like an official release? No, this was a shitty. Um, it wasn't shitty. It was great sounding, but it was like one that I bought in a record store. This was before, like, right as CD burners were coming into being a thing. Um, they were expensive. And, like, I had all these tapes, but uh, I, bought, I paid 25 bucks for a CD of part of that show, basically.
0: And this is like a behind the
3: counter bootleg situation. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it was totally not legit. And I felt, you know, I'm like, felt kind of shitty spending 75 bucks on three Grateful Dead CDs, right? That I knew weren't legit, but I also wanted the CDs, so.
0: Cool, Steve, you're on to the next round. Garen, uh, another nice pull. You guessed 1974 correctly. Did you hear the wall sound as well?
4: I did. I didn't know that particular performance, so I had to sort of just do my normal investigative kind of listening, you know? And you def- I definitely heard that uh, the very distinct wall of sound microphone sound in there uh which is always sort of so then you're then you're 73 or 74 I mean, the first thing i heard was there's only one drummer obviously so that's you know something to think about and obviously keith and you know so then once you figure out it's a wall of sound then you're down to a couple options and I didn't associate Baby Blue with that period at all. It's funny. I didn't even know they played that back then. Um, so that was sort of threw me off a little bit. So I knew it had to have been either a debut or very early on or because that song debuted in like 66 or something. And then I think of it as, also, as being like a you know, consistent encore in the late 80s. But I, I didn't think of it as a 70s tune. So that was interesting.
0: I'm guessing you caught a it's all over now, Baby Blue encore in your touring years.
4: I did. I did. And, uh, <laughs> several, several.
0: Was it one that you enjoyed? You're like, oh, hell yeah. It's all over now, Baby Blue.
4: Yes. Yeah. I liked Jerry's mellow encores. I know that some people preferred that, to, you know, leave the show on a rockin' note, but I, I sort of thought that was such a cool, um, unique thing they had in their sort of, if you want to think of their sets as being somewhat programmed, especially towards the end, that was something that I just thought was very unique to them. You know, let's end the show on a ballad. I thought that was cool.
0: Nice work, Gary. You're on the next one. Adam, uh 72. What were you thinking there?
6: Um, I just I knew they had played it a couple of times in 70, 71, and 72. And I was I, I knew about the one in 74 that this was, but I just didn't think it was this one because it was so slow. And also Jerry came in on the lyric a little bit. It just felt raw to me, like um, like an earlier version. And um, um but I knew they had played it in 72 for sure. It was literally like two times or something like that. And only once in 74. And then it came back a long time. It took a while.
0: Well, Adam, how'd you get into the dead?
6: My foray into the dead started at the greatest dead show of all time in modern dead history of, and that was 329.90. Uh, the Brantford show at Nassau Coliseum. That was my first show. Um, my Best friends, Larry Dittori and uh, Jason Liederman, took me to that show, and they both have passed away, sadly, way before their time. Um, So I continued to just evolve for years. I saw 81 shows uh, from that day on and all the way to the end and um, just been obsessed with the dead ever since. Were many of those shows with your pals? Yeah, we went on tour every summer from 90 to 95 in, uh, in between college. Um, so I was in college in my freshman year in 90 and, uh, <clears throat> we slowed down in 95. I think I got a job right in that final tour, but, um, though we went every summer on the road and it was just the best of times, I mean, saw the whole country, um, all the way, did a lot of shows out west and, uh, dead as far down as Miami, did Atlanta, um, 93 and 94 were big touring years for me. So I know a lot of the nineties dads probably, you know, even though that's where I saw the dead and I, I, you know, I I know it's not my favorite to go to. I know I was not seeing good stuff at the time because I was listening to a lot of 70s when I was seeing them in the 90s. So, um, but, and that's where the memories are for me.
0: I'm always fascinated by that because it's such a, you know, it's seeing the Grateful Dead, but you knew even still like, this is great. This is fun, but it's not like it used to be.
6: I mean, my friends would sometimes tell me I'm being a little bit of a lame ass by complaining about the show afterwards. Like, didn't you just have a good time? And I'd be like, Oh man, you know, like when they busted out here comes sunshine in 92, I remember. And Casey Jones, I was at the bust out in RFK in 92. And I just remember thinking that these are slow and there's no jam in the here comes sunshine. And you know, the jam in between China and Ryder in 73 and 74, I was always wishing they would do that again, you know? Um, so I just always felt a little let down in the 90s. However, I will say some of the best things about the 90s for me are ballads, like Stella Blue in 94, Great Year. I love So Many Roads. I think Days Between is a great song. Um, I even like Liberty when I hear it now. I hated it at the time, but now when I hear it, I can't help myself to sing along <laughs> to it. You know, I love Liberty. And, you know, Lazy River Road is a beautiful Jerry ballad that most people hate, but um I think it's a great song. So I do respect the 90s, but I'm definitely hardcore in 76, 77, and 78, and 73 and 74. That's where I spend my time.
0: That Nassau show, did you have a feeling like this is kind of epic? People
6: are going to be talking about this for a while. My friend told me, he said, My advice to you is never go see another dead show. You're going to be chasing this one for your life. That's <laughs> what he said. And he, I honestly, I. It was an amazing show. I don't think it's overrated at all. I mean, I think that eyes of the world is so spectacular. I I bought I bought the um the vinyl version of that. They released the whole show. Um and I have it upstairs. It's still in the wrapper. And I told my wife to bury me with it. Like it's just that that show is so special. <laughs> not not bury me with it. You know what I mean, but you know, or bury it's just with like it. or bury me with it. I don't know, whatever. You know, it's like, if I die early, I guess I'll but um it was a it's a great show, and I play it every year on three twenty nine and uh I go and visit my my two buddies who passed away and I play it there I play it for them. I open up the trunk and I blast it for them.
0: Wow, that is incredible. the whole show
6: no, no, just okay. the eyes my, well Jason loved the dark star, so I play him the dark star that's amazing Adam. thank you for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it it was a lot of fun,
0: yeah, appreciate you being here adam appreciate uh a- everything you shared um so steve nick and garen are on to the next round competing for two spots in the best of three series to get the tco fly shop prize pack this is a very good group yeah these threes have earned their spots so let's play the next song going down the road feeling bad at the omni in atlanta on april 3rd 1990 steve was the only one who fist bumps he's the only one who got it exactly uh steve how'd you suss
3: 1990 rosebud it was the guitar it was garcia's guitar and a little bit of the way the drum sound there's just one little drum fill prior from mickey i'm like all right that's 90 but it was back to garcia's tone uh rosebud was a more refined sounding instrument to me than Tiger, which means I like it less, even though it had the MIDI stuff. But Tiger had this fucking, like, just tear your head off element to it that Rosebud really didn't have unless it was going through the right distortion pedal. But Tiger by itself was just vicious, could be. And Rosebud didn't really have that. It was a much more mature sounding instrument and that's what was coming through to that for me so yeah that one that one was kind of tricky but that it was the it was rosebud that clinched it for me that was a good one
0: um yes that was a good one and it was liz who sent that in thank you liz who was um in the final a couple weeks ago um thanks a lot liz nick guessed 89 and garen guessed 87 so our champ goes down uh Ah. (laughs) uh nick nice pull on 89 what were you thinking there
2: you know it it was sounding a lot like i don't know 89 was just a magical year for the dead and i was thinking it reminded me a little bit of alpine 89 but then i kind of heard some some flubs here and there so i was like is it 88 I didn't I didn't really think it was any 86 or 87 but I heard heard a little bit of flubs and I Steve I I I like your observation cuz Rosebud is a much more mature polished sound that Jerry had and you know he was still playing the Tiger or busted out the Wolf in 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 89 my first type in was 89 I was like no it's 88 it sounds a little sloppy but then it just kind of came together I was like might be 89 so I kind of played the middle and uh took the safe road.
0: All good stuff, Nick. You're on to the final. Nice work. Garen, incredible run. Why do you uh, guess 87?
4: Well, this is a very nuanced analysis, by the way. It's pretty high-level stuff here. Um, yeah, that's a really good observation about Jerry's guitar. Um, I was more focused on, well, first of all, the tones were all very organic to me. And so 90 is just when it gets into, you know, midi land hardcore and so when I don't hear any midi or any really overly processed tones I sort of I go okay I'm moving out of the 90s then I just go down I knew it was somewhere 87 to well in my mind to 89 and the tempo was just so fast I was thinking fall 87 it reminded me of that sort of after that summer tour when they were uh just riding high and just playing what, however they wanted to essentially they just had this freedom to it and brent's tone was so organic and uh yeah so all that stuff
0: garen you had a great run listening to you these past few weeks has been incredible um we'll see you at the tournament of champions in the meantime does Grateful yours have any dates you
4: want to plug or any info or anything like that um well we're we're always playing. We're based in um, New York state. So we're, pl- we play sort of the capital region, everyone from New York city, Connecticut, um, upstate, midstate New York. Oh, we're doing, um, you know, cause Den company is doing the Cornell thing. And so we're doing pre and post shows up in Ithaca that night. And actually maybe during the Cornell gig too, cause there's going to be so many people that aren't getting in, you know? So we're gonna be at a place called the Upstairs in Ithaca on that's 5'823, not 5'877.
0: Awesome, Garen. Do you think that's the best dead show
4: ever? Uh no. You know, the two dates that surround it are such exceptional shows. To, you know. But it deserves its place in the lore, I, I would say.
0: Awesome, Garen. Thank you so much for for being here.
4: Thank you, man. I really had a good time. Thank you.
0: Steve and Nick are on to the finals. As I've said and Garen just said, some high-level deadheadery tonight. So I'm excited to watch you guys go. Let's play the first song. So that was a slipknot into a Franklin's that we just missed there, sadly. Steve and Nick both guessed 1976.
3: Steve, why'd you guess 76? It was tough. I was, you know, of course, leaning between that and spring of 77. And the only uh, the reason what tipped me to 76 was the drums going through slipknot. Towards the end, as they were starting to slide and make the transition to Franklin's Tower, just wasn't as tight as it would have been, I think, in spring of '77, because there was a a tonal thing. Um, I was listening for some like more reverb on the drums that in the spring of '77 that didn't exist in '76, and the recording was just I couldn't quite suss that out, so I kind of flipped a coin and went with '76.
2: Awesome, and
0: Nick, you agreed '76.
2: Yeah, I, I, I feel 76 is kind of similar to, like, 74, like I was talking about earlier. It it has this sound that's distinct from other years, but r- what really gave it away for me was Jerry's guitar. You know, he I think it's playing the white guitar. It's got the aluminum neck. It's got this little twang to it. They're still kind of feeling their way through the song, so I knew it wasn't 77 because it wasn't as polished. Um, but the twang of Jerry's guitar just really gave it away for you know, 76, which it, to me just has a standout sound compared to other years. Even 77, it, it's it's just a little different. And so I, I knew fairly right out the gate that it was 76.
0: Great. You're, you guys are right. It was both, it was 76. It was uh, Slipknot at the Capitol Theater on June 19th, 1976. So before we move forward, Nick, could you
2: tell us how you got into the dead? Yeah, so... I'm originally from Chicago, and I spent some time in Madison, Wisconsin, up at a boarding school called Wayland Academy, my sophomore year of high school, which was right in like 1995. And little did I know that Madison is crawling with deadheads. And it's one of the cooler places in the Midwest, in my opinion, to go hang out. And the teachers were into the dead. But there's this kid on on my floor. His name was Kevin Coulivar. And Kevin didn't really like the music I was listening to. And he's like, man, no, nah. he's like, you, you got you to gotta check this out. And he gave me a bunch of CDs that really changed my life and got me into the music that I'm into today. And a lot of those CDs were, were you know, it was Studio Dead stuff. He gave me the first Grateful Dead album, Oxum Oxoa uh american beauty working man's dead shakedown street which i still kevin if you're out there listening i still have your copy of shakedown street that you gave me in 1995 man um and then what what really made it click for me was dead set you know he gave me dead set and i was able to hear everything from the beginning of the dead to shakedown street be you know uh translated into live version and i was like man live is so much better than the studio stuff who is the Grateful Dead? Why are they following me? And what do I got to do to get into it? And it's really been no looking back for me ever since. I mean, I, the, in my opinion, the Grateful Dead is the, the pinnacle of Americana music. And, you know, there, there's only one Grateful Dead. There's a lot of people that do a lot of similar things in the day to day that they would not do if it were not for the Grateful Dead. So they're, they're the kings, man. They're the kings of jam band. Couldn't imagine my life without Grateful Dead. I listen to him every day. Drives my wife nuts. Um, you know, I, I give her a break every once in a while and put on Jerry Garcia, band, But for the most part, you know, it, it's just dead all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what were you listening to when he when your buddy was like, nah,
2: like this sucks? So I, I was really into Metallica. And, uh, you know, I I, I I had all Metallica studio albums and I remember hearing like Metallica's live album that came out and I was like, this is garbage, man. You know, how come they're, they're not sounding as good as they do on their studio stuff? So the Grateful Dead really filled in the gap. But, you know, it's like the typical 90s stuff, Offspring, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, good, good music, but not the Grateful Dead, not the Grateful Dead at all. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate that.
0: Okay, well, no one gets a point. Same situation as the last song. I'm going to have to do more work here if I'm going to trip these guys up, it seems. Let's play the next song.
1: Mason died on Monday. We bricked him in the wall. All his children grew and grew they never grew so tall before They may never grow so tall again we took him up on Tuesday He hardly aged today Taught them all he ever knew They never knew so much people they may never know so much.
0: Mason's
2: children. Nick, you guess 68. Why 68? Mm, you know, I, I, I gotta be honest, primal dead from you know 67 to 69 is is something that I don't listen to all that often. I know you like to trip people up sometimes and you know do 69, but it sounded really, really early. Uh sounded like they were still trying to find their way with each other. I heard pigs or organ. Um, and I know they only played Mason's children for a short period of time. I was going back and forth between 67 and 68, but I took the safe road. This, this, uh, this guess here and, uh, chose 68.
0: Great. Thanks, Nick. Steve was a couple of years North at 1970. Why 1970,
3: Steve? Because that's the year they played Mason's Children. <laughs> Bam, I just got school. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Don't ask me why I know that, man. It just I mean, I could be wrong, and that'll have egg all over my face, but I'm pretty sure it was 70. Because that was it was around the like Working Man's Dead American Beauty recording sessions that they were working on that. Got it.
0: Yeah, it was Mason's Children at Golden Hall on January 10th, 1970.
3: Yeah. Good job, Steve. So real Thanks. Real close to 69, like real close, but that's, I think that, I mean, and I could be, I think it's like four or five times, maybe it was more, but it wasn't a lot. They kind of abandoned it, which is kind of a bummer. because It's a great song. I had to see Phil play it a bunch. Um, then they kind of got the arrangement dialed a little bit, you know, so good knowledge. How did you get into the dead? it seems like, you know, a lot about them. Well, it's really funny, Nick, you said boarding school and sophomore year of high school. Cause I'm the same deal man all right nice yeah well so i first i had a buddy from lincoln in fact the building behind me on my screensaver is pershing auditorium in lincoln nebraska where the grateful dead played on february 26th 1973 one of my friends was there i was two years old i wasn't there but uh so anyway uh my my first sophomore year of high school a guy i was running around with played working man's dead all the time his parents were hippies and Kind of not coincidentally, the next year I got sent away to military school for my second sophomore year of high school. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was there, and that was the Missouri Military Academy in Mexico, Missouri. And um my company commander there, my second sophomore year of high school, gave me two tapes. Uh, he was a deadhead, and uh he gave me six the second set to six twenty-one eighty six from the Greek theater. And some an 82 Red Rock show that I never really it didn't sound very great. 621 86, the second set of that is still one of my favorite second sets. It's just stupidly raw and amazing and ragged, but awesome, right? But anyway, so, and he gave them to me. He's like, one of these days, you're gonna appreciate these, right? And like I grew up on every like bon Scott era, ACDC. I loved Angus Young, um, Black Flag. The cure a little bit, like I even a little Smiths, and like that's kind of what I was into. The police loved the police. But like what turned what really kind of grabbed me about that 62186 tape was because like touch when I got that tape, Touch of Gray was starting to hit the radio, right? And so I there were pictures of Garcia around, kind of, you know, gray and wearing the red flannel and looking a little, you know, Garcia-ish, right? And I, and, and, and on the not fade away on the, um, the, you know, the end of that second set, it's just raw and awesome. And he does the fanning thing. And I was really, I loved, uh, when Angus Young did that on let there be rock, like that was my favorite things ever. And so I like had this vision of gray grizzled Garcia doing the not fade away thing. And it just really hit me, you know, like, Holy shit. Like that's, that's intense and just cool. And it made me laugh frankly, you know, this old, this old guy's out there just wailing all way, you know, is that really, that's kind of, and then the encore that night is, is a uh, broke down palace. And like I said, like I was into black flag and I was an angry young man, but the solo in that broke down palace is, there's a ton of distortion on it and it's human. Like there's a little finger flubbing in it, but that song like calmed me in a way that you guys can probably appreciate. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was very human and very just honest. That's the thing that's always come through with me is like, with the dead, you kind of get what you get, right? All of the frailty and all of the dysfunction and, you know, they're just this giant musical clusterfuck, right? (laughs) That, That has this power that nobody can really bottle or explain or anything, you know? And we all have our different experiences with it, but so finally, like I... Long story, I ended up in Northern Virginia, south of Washington D.C., where they played a lot. So I saw my first show uh, at RFK in 1990, um, and that dark victim of the crime and dark star kicked my ass. Is the what I'll say that because my mom will probably listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but then the post drums, uh, the post drums, like I started to hear like space. I mean, I can't even. You know what I'm saying. It was raining. The field at RFK stadium was a mud pit. It was insane. It was insane of just epic proportions. And, uh, and the, and I knew when they were coming out of space, I'm like, cause I was like, I was terrified. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just, I was terrified. But then I started hearing, I'm like, that's all along the watchtower there. And I started shaking my friend. It was our first show. So I'm like, they're going to play all the watchtower. And he's like, Oh my God. And they did. And it was amazing. And then they did like the dear Mr. F- you know, Hey Jude, dear Mr. Fantasy. Hey Jude finished the set with touch of gray and the wait for the encore. And that was it. I was done. That's I was a deadhead. Period. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Um, in the movies, the company commander is always a hard ass, but it seems like yours was just a super cool
3: dude. You know, he had to keep up the hard ass front. You know what I'm saying? Right. But uh, but on the backside, uh, there was literally, uh, I'll keep this brief, but we uh, did like a a Sunday review where you put on all the dress stuff and do a march up and down the field for people and stuff with the band and the flags and the, you know, guys in lines marching. And there was one time when uh, they were doing awards or something. So we're just standing, I was in the marching band, I played sax, and we're just standing there kind of at the back of the field. And my company commander does this abrupt, like about face and just starts marching off the field. (laughs) <laughs> and everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? What's he doing? Where's Cribs going? Right. And the second in command just kind of marched up. I was like, well, I guess I'll stand here now. And I found out, you know, he blamed it on dysentery, but I found out the next year that he was, he was losing his mind. He had dosed before that review and bad things started to happen and he had to get the hell out of there. So he literally in front of like God and everybody turns around about faces, marches off the field and went back to the barracks to like calm himself down. <laughs> This guy's
0: a legend. Does he know the effect that he's had on you and I'm sure other people too?
3: I, I have not seen that dude. I'm friends. We have some mutual friends like on social media or whatever, but he kind of dropped. I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him since 1988 probably. So Jeff Curtis, if you're out there, man, shalom. That
0: Thank guy. you. I'm so heartened to hear that. And then that's sweet that he was tripping during uh, his military drills. I also love that. You of balls.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn. What a crazy story. Uh, cool. Thanks, Steve. Okay, and Steve is up 1-0 in the series after that Mason's Children pull, One away from the TCO Fly Shop prize pack. Nick's trying to even it up. Let's play the song. Tchau, Okay. The guesses are in. That was a very pleasant Lazy River Road. And these guys are one year off in what they think it was. Um, Steve, you guessed 1993. Why
3: 93? Well, to me, it sounded like kind of the end of the Dan Healy era in 93, uh, going by the sound of uh, the drums and uh, Garcia's guitar tone again. Um, But it just sounds like 93 to me. No, and no, Bruce. You know, so
0: great. Thanks, and Nick, uh, you guessed ninety four.
2: Yeah, I originally had ninety three typed in, but man, Jerry, Jerry just sounded tired. So I was thinking, you know, there, there, there's a little bit of magic left sometimes here and there, in ninety two, and even uh, glimpses of that in ninety three. But I, I was just, it, it, it was a good version. But you know, hearing Jerry towards the end just, you know, makes me kind of makes me sad. And I was thinking more, more along the lines. It was 94, 95. It didn't sound as, as muffled as 95 as Jerry could typically sound then. Um, so I originally had 93 typed in. I was like, man, not Jerry just sounds tired. So I went 94.
0: Well, your initial gut reaction was correct. It was 93. Steve got it. Nice work, Steve. Uh, Great run, Nick. Steve, I want to go back to what you said about Dan Healy's sound. So, how did you identify that within the context of Dan Healy?
3: Well, uh, Healy, uh, if I had have a kvetch kvetch, complained about Healy is I never really liked the way he produced the drums. It, were there a few errors, like like uh, 88 uh, ish? But uh, Healy was so into his idea of like extreme separation and extreme dynamics, um, which like stereo and, uh, timber and all that, uh, timbre, whatever. Anyway, uh, when, um, oh gosh, um, John Cutler took over the sound, I think it was February of 94, maybe. Um, he really kind of scaled that back and turned it into a more traditional, Uh, I mean, there was some serial separation, but like the drums sounded much different. They sounded more kind of just like rock band drums, I guess. Um, and it was just a very dramatic shift in sound. And so that's, and like, that's kind of my, I actually didn't see the dead at all in 94. I saw a bunch of shows in 93 and I saw them twice in 95 and that was some sad shit, but, um, uh i thought in 93 like i i saw some really fine grateful dead concerts and i also saw some real clunkers too but uh when they felt like doing it when the muse was hitting man forget about it uh there were some moments in 93 that were really hot and uh like actual legitimate i think grateful dead concerts um you know I'm in that way but uh so that's that's just Healy, Healy had a very particular way of doing things and so when when he left and Cutler took over. It was just a very dramatic shift in the way the band sounded.
0: Brilliant, Steve. Really, really impressive. Thank you um, <laughs> for explaining that. And congratulations on being Champ of Guests of the year.
3: Thanks. This has been this is such an incredible privilege to to have these kinds of discussions with people that are like minded. One of my good friends was a past contestant on this deal, Jack. I mean, like we have these these conversations and people just look at us like well we're going to go over here now you know and so to, to, to have you know um to, to like i know that i'm nuts but i know that you guys are nuts too right you know yeah we're right there with you man you're in that's what comedy. i'm saying like that's what i'm saying like it's an obsession but it's pleasing right and so it's just it's a genuine delight for this uh arena like i've i've been I was joking with my wife and kid earlier. Like I've been, I've been training for this night since 1987, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) love that.
0: Love that. Uh, Uh,
2: Nick, nice run. You you know, you know what, Mike, I didn't get caught up in the eighties as bad as I thought, you know, I was just another dude, you know, emailing you. And I was like, man, I'm going to go down in the eighties, but you know, to go down in the sixties and the nineties, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way more of a, 72 to 78 guy I, I eat that shit up all day long man you know I, i'll listen to that stuff all day long and i was really focused on listening to like 82 83 in preparation for this and uh yeah good job steve you know your stuff man so uh, i i nobly bow down to you and
3: good to you man it's it's all the same song man so yeah <laughs> it's, it's, this has been a, just a thrill so thanks for everybody nick especially you guys Yeah, it was. This was a tough one, you know, so that's it. Awesome.
0: Thanks, Steve. Congrats again. Thank you, everyone. And yeah, we'll see you next week, Steve. Okay. Subscribe to Guest the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for all the show links, including our new YouTube channel. You can go to guesttheyear.net. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at guesttheyear.net. Thank you so much to TCO Fly Shop, especially the uh, founder, Tony, our good pal. Thank you so much, Tony, and thank you to everyone at TCO for providing the prize pack. Again, you can check out the link in the show notes to TCO. Shout-out to Dylan for drawing the posters, as always, and shout-out to Mason for uh, curating the prize packs. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new champ, Steve. And to our other contestants, thanks for playing, and remember, it's all one song anyway. And I bet you
1: good night, good night, good night. And I bet you good night, good night,
5: good night.